Welcome to Parenting Decoded, a podcast for practical approaches to parenting. I'm Mary Eschen. Wow, what a week. Writing this podcast has sure been a journey in tough times. First, COVID-19 hits in March. I've been blessed to have ventured into podcasting so that there's a way I can still come into your lives. Now, in June, with Black Lives Matter, our nation is being rocked by anger and fear. It's overwhelming. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the anger in our own homes that gets directed at our children and some ideas for how we can get it under control. First, I'll talk about the impact anger has on our families, then three ways to help mitigate anger in your home. Lastly, I'll give you some fun and creative ideas about how to repair relationships with your kids. I know anger isn't helpful. Caring and thoughtful action is helpful. Being cool, calm-headed, and working together is what can move us forward as a nation, but also as families. The anger triggered by your precious, adorable children when they don't obey, won't listen, when they argue with you, or when they fight with each other is astounding. Your kids manage to push your buttons so easily when you're tired or in a rush, right? Some days you're the epitome of amazing parenting. And then the next day, you're on your knees with anger and frustration at your kids and yourself. It's exhausting. I want to talk about how anger and threats create certain complications in our homes that we might not be expecting. An atmosphere of fear and children who become followers or rebels. First, I want to clarify what anger looks like in our homes. I'm mostly talking about yelling, but some parents don't yell, but they certainly still get angry. They just don't yell. We might grit our teeth and say, do that right now. It's still intimidating, even if it's not loud. When we're talking about parenting types, the helicopter is the nagger, but the drill sergeant is the yeller-teller type. They tell their kids what to do and expect immediate obedience. If there isn't, then there are consequences, mostly using fear and intimidation. Fearing you isn't the same as getting to the heart of your child. Don't get me wrong, I firmly believe in consequences, as I explain in podcast number 10, but they need to be delivered in a fashion that will be impactful for the long term. The question to ask yourself is, are you ruling your home with fear that permeates your family life? How much yelling and telling is there instead of talking and solving? Next, I want to talk about why we use anger. We do it because it works. Certainly it does. Intimidation and being more powerful than your child works in your favor, especially in the early years when you are physically bigger than they are and they are completely dependent on you. But how do you feel when someone yells at you? Ever had a boss yell at you? Did it make you feel good? Did it make you want to be around that person? When I was working in high tech, myself and some of my staff were in a meeting with a top VP who totally blasted one of his direct reports in front of 15 other people. It made me cringe. I was shocked and appalled. He made that hardworking person feel stupid and small. Some of us fall into drill sergeant mode when we get angry and frustrated. This is when we want to yell and tell our kids what to do. We will yell louder and longer if our message isn't being heard. When I talk to live audiences about drill sergeants, I ask them 
Who wants to raise a child who's a follower? How about you? Are you wanting to raise a follower? Of course not. Our society is always telling us to raise leaders. We need leaders. We need good leaders. And here you are. You might be raising a follower without even realizing it. As you yell or firmly tell your child what to do and how to do it, you shut down communication and their brains. They aren't encouraged to think for themselves just to obey you. They will follow you out of fear. That's not what we want. We want them to think with their brains and know how to use their brains to fix things when stuff happens that isn't right. We need to communicate with them and allow them to problem solve and brainstorm with us, not go sit in a corner pouting or crying by themselves because we're mean and yelled at them. Or worse yet, have them avoid us and rebel against us and anything we're trying to teach them. If you want to raise a leader, let's take anger out of the equation in raising your kids. I've talked about brain science in a few of my other podcasts. Number two probably has most details. When you're angry, your brain is in fight-and-flight mode. This is true for our kids' brains, but it's also true for your own brain. If we need to guide our families, we need to start the thinking part of our brains, our prefrontal cortex. I want to talk about ways to keep you out of fight-and-flight mode and what to do if you get there. Assuming you recognize that sometimes you lose your temper, here are a few ways you can stem the tide. First, acknowledge you're angry. When you feel your body start to tense up and you, you start to climb up what my good friend who's an MFT calls Anger Mountain, you need to embrace that feeling as it goes up your spine or your face. Once you can feel that feeling coming on, get some help to diffuse it. I'm going to give you a few ideas of help you can use in your own home. But if you have a major issue with anger, please get professional help or email me and I'll be happy to connect you with appropriate resources. Number one, enlist your spouse or significant other if you have one. This can work two ways, giving your spouse a signal or your spouse giving you a signal. When things are calm, set aside a time with your partner to work out a signaling system. If one of you sees or hears the other getting angry or yelling, use the agreed-upon signal to help them recognize that they are losing it. I want to encourage a signal that doesn't sound like, hey, quit yelling, you're upset, go outside and cool off. While this may sound helpful, even if it's in a nice tone of voice, I want to suggest that using a phrase that signals that sentiment without saying all those words is more effective. In my house, we tried something verbal for a while, which sounded like, Gee, honey, I think the cat's water dish needs new water. Or it could be where you physically signal by pulling on your ear or patting your head. The point is that your signal will convey the message without further irritating the situation. I love signals like this. My husband and I actually developed one many years ago to help deal with my getting really nervous when my husband would tailgate, especially at high speed. He's a good driver, and it doesn't happen often. But when he used to do it, I would verbally say, Honey, slow down. You're not using the three-second rule, or it's not a one-second rule, it's a three-second rule. And he'd snap back, irritated with me, nagging at him, wanting me to chill out. Both of us would be angry and annoyed, not understanding each other's point of view. Not a win-win situation at all. And we didn't even have our kids (laughs) creating this tension. Well, we had a heart-to-heart one day, while not in our car. 
when both of our brains were calm and in their prefrontal cortex. I explained my point of view and how it really scared me, and he explained how it kept sounding like he was a bad driver. We both agreed to use a signal and no words in the future. I gently tap him on the knee when I feel uncomfortable. He knows I love him, and I'm scared, and he has time to react without getting defensive. It's been amazing. I know it's not a parenting situation, but I think you get the drift. Communication can lead to real progress in relationships. You and your partner need to come up with something like a knee tap. I really think a no-word option is better than even the cat water bowl idea that I suggested. I'd suggest maybe even have a teddy bear or a blue card or a pack of gum that you just hand each other that says all those words without saying anything verbally. And I got your back. Secret signal. The next idea is to recruit your entire family to get yelling and anger under control. Have a way that anyone in the family can signal warning, anger erupting without using words. I know this seems dangerous, like you're giving away the rule of law in your home. You're not. You're trusting your family with helping solve an issue. Yes, you might be vulnerable, but if you have a problem, you need to take steps to solve it. Show your kids that working as a team is the way to solve problems. Some families might use a card, red, blue, one with a bird or a dog on it. Other families might have a teddy bear. It doesn't matter as long as everyone knows and agrees on what the signal means. Basically, that the person who received it is loved and needs to have some calm down time. It's not a punishment, but a loving encouragement. In order to enlist your kids in helping get your temper under control, you'd have to have a family meeting to brainstorm how to make it happen. You have a meeting at a time when everyone is calm, maybe a Sunday afternoon or a Friday night before a movie. Talk about why you need help and how you need love and support to make it happen. This type of family support can show that everyone needs help in life, even parents in dealing with emotions. I'd have an option that mom and dad can also hand the calm down signal to a child so that everyone can have the same love and support to improve emotional skills. If it doesn't work at first, have more family meetings until everyone can get on the same page with empathy and love. The third idea is to use reminders. Some people find reminders a really useful way to help break bad habits. Anger can certainly be a bad habit, so try some reminders to see if it'll help you. One parent I work with had trouble with anger, but it turned out a lot of it was caused by having a lack of empathy for what her kids were going through. We brainstormed a bit, and she decided to place yellow stickies around her house with the word empathy on them. It did work for a while. Another mom just put stickies around with an E on them. Some of you are tech-savvy and might create automatic texts or calendar entries or emails with nudges for you to be more empathetic. Or ask yourself to rate your anger for the day on a scale of 1 to 10. Use anything, but try something. Now that we've talked about ideas on how to deal with yelling and anger in your home, I want to go over ideas for how to counteract the feelings of incompetence and low self-esteem that we often impart to our children when our anger lashes out at them. Our kids are fragile and words can break them. Oftentimes, those words spoken by us in anger stay with them for a lifetime. When we say, you're so stupid, often enough, 
they start believing it. When we tell them they're clumsy, they stop taking risks. When we get angry at them for breaking something or falling or missing a ball at a soccer match, they absorb that anger. They start internalizing that they really aren't good enough. They might try harder in an attempt to win your love, but it comes out of fear and hurt. Sometimes the hurt becomes so great that they stop trying harder or they withdraw from you. That's often what happens when teens start rejecting everything their parents say to them. The parents have brushed off every possible opinion their child had when they were young, so the teen learns that their parents could care less what they think. They close down and they rely on their friends for ideas and exchanges. Super sad. Let's figure out a way to be a parent who understands that parents are human and make mistakes and we are all willing to take the time to repair damage before it becomes permanent. There's a lot of psychology around how impactful negative comments are. The research says that it takes five positive interactions to negate just one negative one. Ouch. That's a crazy imbalance, isn't it? We really need some creative ways to balance those negative interactions out. I came across a fun solution last week on Pinterest. There's a therapist who has a website called idealistmom.com. She has some great resources that I'll put a link to in the podcast notes. The thing that caught my eye was what she called the five hair ties solution to getting this negative positive imbalance back in line. She says to put five hair bands on your wrist in the morning when your kids wake up. If you have a bad interaction, you lose one hair tie to the other wrist. You then have to spend the day trying to earn it back to the original wrist by having five, yep, five positive interactions. If you have more negative ones, you'll lose another tie and have to work even harder. So you're motivated to, keep the, to get the score even as soon as possible. It's a gentle physical reminder that there's more love needed to do the repair. What ideas are there for positive interactions that you can use to recover? Simple things seem to fall into four different types of interactions. You could say something, you could play with them, you could do something with them, or surprise them. The idealistmom.com website has a really cool printable chart with 25 ideas you can post on your fridge. It's super worth clicking on. You have to sign up for her newsletter to get it, but it's totally worth it, and you can always unsubscribe after. But it's as easy as things like give a hug. She says that a six-second hug is the best. Or sitting and reading extra with your child. Putting a note somewhere that, where they can find it that has something nice on it. Or go outside together. Play a game. Give them an extra smile. Tell a joke. Have a dance party in the kitchen. Get the chart if you'd like to make it easy on yourself. Lastly, I want to talk about one more thing I think can help families a great deal with trying to overcome anger issues. Family brainstorming sessions. I mentioned it a bit when suggesting you enlist your children in helping you recognize when you're getting angry. I really think it's an amazing tool that should be used all the time. Setting up open and honest discussions with your whole family about issues that are upsetting family harmony is super healthy for a family bonding and building trusting and open relationships with each other. Your children deserve to hear from you when things are calm in your brain as to what gets you upset 
And then you all work together to understand how to overcome the issues. If you're getting upset at everyone for leaving their shoes all over the house, let's say, and you yell about it every day and no one does anything, having a place to air grievances like that in a kind, calm manner can be helpful and harmonious. Your kids should understand why it upsets you. And maybe you all decide to create a new shoe area in your house together. Or maybe shoes stay in the garage or on the porch or on a new shoe bench that you all create and paint together. Showing your kids how problems can be solved with words and creativity is the best lesson you can give them in life. Anger solves nothing, but if anger isn't addressed, it explodes, as we can see now. Address the anger in your life so that your kids can have a good role model for solving issues. I hope this podcast has inspired you to think about issues that bring anger into your family. Be creative. If hair ties aren't your things, try rubber bands, bracelets, or coins in your pocket. Remember, your words can wound for a lifetime. I'd love to challenge any one of you listening to try the hair ties for one week and write me about it. I'll actually provide a free phone coaching session to anyone who does it. That's how important I think getting the negative anger out and positive thoughts into your home is. If you found this information useful, please forward the podcast link onto your friends and family. It'd be helpful to me, but what I really want is for us to work together to help the world take steps to control our anger in a positive, healthy way. That's all for now. Take care and be safe. Have a blessed rest of your day.